Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution. And today, happy simply to be your happy podcast host for the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution creators of Fuse. The insurance marketing software that skyrockets retention, boosts policy per customer, and makes your clients love your agency. What more could you want without you having to hire more staff, programmers, or technologists? Folks, if you haven't done it lately, you should do it. Visit agencyrevolution.com. Request a demo of this award-winning software. And again, I want to welcome you to this episode. Uh, I perhaps have uh, been known to say this before, but I consider this to be a special episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast. My guest is the CEO of Applied Systems, the largest technology company in the insurance industry. 99% of big eye best practices agencies use applied technology. 77% of insurance journal top 100 Independent property casualty agencies use applied technology and literally 50%, half of all PNC electronic transactions occur within applied applications. So we spoke to the moment. Um, I had uh, some temptation to like make this evergreen so people would come back, agents would come back a year from now and listen to this conversation. Uh, and perhaps they will. And frankly, I think what Taylor has to say uh, is, uh, in a way, it's classic in that it will stand the test of time. But I couldn't resist the fact that we are in this moment, in this crisis, dealing with this as a real issue. And uh, Taylor was uh, willing to speak quite openly about his, uh, his recommendations and his observations about what agencies must do now to succeed and to successfully navigate through the difficult period um, within which uh, we all are living and operating our businesses. I'll put this into some perspective. Obviously, um, those of you who've been listening, um, a couple of things. One, I want to thank you. Our listenership is up roughly 35% since we started kind of a special series focusing on the issues of COVID. Uh, And in that series, so to speak. I've interviewed Bob Hartwig uh, on the impact of COVID on the economy and the industry and the agency, Brad Rubin on uh, what agencies have to do regarding uh, their technology and protecting your technology, Bill Wilson on coverage issues related to COVID, Gene Salvatore on uh, the issues regarding your role as a leader uh, and how to communicate effectively in a crisis, Uh, David Heinemeyer Hansen, the uh, uh, best-selling author of the book, Remote. Obviously, we spoke about issues dealing with remote, how to do it successfully. Uh, also took a slightly interesting um, uh, turn with uh, my interview with uh, David Clausen, who operates a modern insurance agency. And um, I, I thought in particular that was uh, appropriate because I'm witnessing modern insurance agencies navigate through this crisis so much more successfully than others. Uh, and now, Taylor Rhodes, the CEO of Applied Systems. 
So if you've missed any of those, I encourage each one of those are, uh, are worth listening to. Uh, and um, please do announce I've got a few guests in the queue who uh, will, um, will be addressing some really, really practical issues on what agencies need to be doing now. So in, the, in any case, this conversation, I think you'll discover, uh, as I did, um, Taylor delivers a, a clear-eyed, direct, and congenial conversation on, uh, frankly, the issue and issues that are likely the most important things that you're facing right now. And I think his uh, advice, guidance, and perspective is, um, is profound and poignant. Um, by the way, I, <clears throat> uh, I've taken um, my uh, observation from these conversations that I've had, uh, these and others, and uh, have attempted to at least simplify a little bit of an action plan uh, so that agency principals have um, a clear sense of direction on how to succeed. If you'd like to get a copy of it, it's free. Uh, you can get it at 8steptoolkit.com. That's 8steptoolkit.com. Um, and as always, want to recommend, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Follow Agency Revolution on LinkedIn. And um, now, without further ado, it is a great privilege for me to be uh, to introduce you and invite you to listen to this conversation with the CEO of Applied Systems, Taylor Rhodes. Taylor Rhodes, um, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing well, Michael. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, well, I'm excited about the conversation, and, and as I mentioned to you uh, earlier, <laughs> you know, I think there there could be a strong argument that I should make this a quote unquote evergreen conversation, so people can come back to it, you know, six months or a year from now and hear what the CEO of Applied has to say. But I thought, no, that's silly. Uh, we're we are in the middle or uh, <laughs> beginning, middle <laughs> of of. Um, we, well, what may be the most serious crisis any of us have ever um, really, uh, uh, you know, experienced, and how can we avoid talking about it? And, you know, to the extent that this podcast does have some focus on um, trends and forces, we simply, we can't ignore it. So, boom. Yeah. <laughs> so. It, is, it is our new reality, um, COVID-19, as, as you say, and Look, there's, there's not an asset or an aspect, pardon me, of life that it's not impacting. So, yeah, we should make sure it's part of the conversation today. Right on. All right. So, Taylor, if you don't mind, let's start, you know, by I, I just want to ask you to introduce yourself and tell us how you got to be where you are and how you got to be what you're doing. Sure. Thank you. You know, um, Taylor Rhodes, and, and, and I am the new kid on the block in the insurance industry. Uh, you know, I've, I've been with Applied now about 11 months, joined in uh, right. early June of 2019, um, came to the industry after, uh, you know, a couple of decades working in technology. Um, you know, prior to um, getting into tech, I, I served uh, as a U.S. Marine Corps infantry officer for five years and was honored to be able to have that experience. Um, after the Marine Corps, I went back to business school as a normal sort of transition, um, got an MBA and, and, and did my MBA at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which importantly mm -hmm. is right on the doorstep of the Research Triangle Park. Um, and, and why that matters is, you know, during my MBA program, I got to do a couple of <clears throat> externships with some small 
technology companies in the triangle that were playing with the, the Internet, which was new at the time, with Linux applications, which were new at the time, and really just caught the bug for the intersection of business and tech, and that launched my fascination with, um, with, with being a, uh, you know, a technology industry leader. Mm-hmm. Spent some time at very big companies, and then in 2000, late 2006, made the decision to jump to a earlier stage company called Rackspace, which turned out to be one of the true first cloud computing companies. And right. importantly, not only very innovative technology-wise, but also famous for having a really powerful customer-centric culture. Um, we were one of the first net promoter system adopters at scale. Uh, really knew how to get close to our customers, serve them well, listen to them, build tight relationships that lasted for a long time. And so that was fascinating to me, the intersection of a great company culture, technology innovation, and really focusing on customer um, was an invaluable experience and got the chance to not only help that company grow, but, but you know became the CEO of that company and led it for a number of years. And really special experience that, that you know, left me well-equipped in, in many ways to then fi- figure out, you know, what I learned there was if you, if you make technology accessible, valuable at a fair cost, businesses will adopt a lot more of it, and they will use it to actually invent or reinvent their business models and, and do more R&D and get closer to their customers. You just have to make technology work for your customers rather than making technology a hindrance to them improving their business models. And that was fascinating for me to be right on the front doorstep of watching tech move from slow moving, mm-hmm. capital intensive, everybody hating the CIO because the CIO took six months to deliver something to, <laughs> you know, instantaneously available compute storage and networking. So you can try an idea, right. try it fast, learn, in, you know, reinvent your business model, make your customer facing process better. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that was kind of what I took away from that extent of my career is you could make technology work for you versus you have to work for technology. Okay. And I think that's very apropos to what fascinated me about the insurance industry and, and joining Applied is I think this industry is, is in need of and has a huge opportunity to put technology to work on behalf of the agent, the broker, the carrier, um, and push people into higher value zones by equipping them with the right tech. So that's what fascinated me about joining Applied. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you've raised um, uh, so many questions. I don't know where to start, but I will, I will start with this. Uh, well, as, as, uh, so you've got a, a serious, deep, long background in technology, and then you come into this industry, which is... Um, you know, perhaps you you could say, I mean, it's in it's it's on the precipice or uh, the uh, acceleration of tech adoption, uh, the the acceleration of um, oh uh, tech uh, investments. Uh, it, it, you know, it's really quite significant. Uh, and yet, I, I think most people would argue that you know this is not an industry that's you know has is typically on the cutting edge. So you know, of of, right. of adoption, it's not. Oh, you know, for various reasons, it's, um, oh, if not resistant to change, it's, or, or reluctant to change, it, it has, uh, it has uh, some characteristics of um, carefulness, let's put it that way. Sure. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm being kind here, but, you know, um, to, the, to the industry. Right. Uh, so, 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 as you said, new kid on the block really has a deep understanding of technology. Bing, what, what do you see? Well, look, I mean, the, the insurance, the independent agent um, ecosystem exists 
to be a distribution channel, as we know, for the product owners who are the carriers. And, and it's where selling happens. It's where relationships happen. It's where advice is given. It's where um, recommendations based on expertise are made. Um, all of those things are super valuable. The, the, you know, I don't believe that, that you could read in, in any, many places the reported demise of the independent agent ecosystem. I don't think that's going to happen because all of those things are valuable. But it happens today in a, in a very email, paper, pencil-heavy way that is um, simply not the way it needs to be anymore. And, and sometimes you mentioned, you know, is, is this a laggard industry, right? That's not a nice word. I don't know whether you describe it as a laggard industry. I describe it as a relationship industry that you know needs to understand how to adopt things like marketing automation, um, things like um, knowing your customer better through analytics and AI, things like automation of just low value but high volume task work so that the agent, the broker, can do a better job knowing their customer, can do a better job being the distribution channel, being a, doing a better job being the place where the most efficient sale happens. Those are the types of opportunities that are in front of us. It simply make this distribution channel better, smarter, and faster so that disruption, which happens to inefficient things, doesn't happen to this channel. So that's my mission in life. That's Applied's mission in life is how do we help brokers and agents thrive by adopting technology intelligently so that this channel is the smartest, most efficient, most effective way for insurance to be distributed. Uh, do you think that the, oh, the reluctance to adopt technology has been because uh, there's there's some uh, fear that it will um, oh reduce water down the humanity of the relationship between the agency force and their customers? Yeah, you bet. I, I think a lot of the, the brokers and agents that we spend time with, and again, you can't paint the industry with one brush, as you know. Right. The larger, yeah. more sophisticated brokerages are at a different place you know, versus maybe a very small brokerage and everything in between. But I do think if you think of more of the medium and small agencies out there, you know, perhaps there's been a few factors at work. One, the concern that, look, I am a relationship business, and, and to the extent that I start to put an email in place of a phone call or a handshake, or if I interact on a website or a portal versus a phone call, am I dehumanizing and reducing my value add as a broker and agent? So perhaps it's questions of, is that going to dilute my value and my position in the industry? Mm -hmm. I think others, though, are, look, this industry is under information assault, right? You can't pick up any industry publication today, this podcast, et cetera, and not hear a deluge of, Tech, 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 data, data <laughs> analytics, AI, ML. Yeah. And so I, I believe right. it's overwhelming. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I know you've got to focus on how should brokers and agents buy technology intelligently. I think it's hard. It's hard <laughs> to sift through all of this, and sometimes maybe out of that complexity comes paralysis instead of being able to see a pragmatic path forward. All right. Uh, so so yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leapfrog to the question I was going to ask at the very end. Okay, so you're right. I have... Um, Oh, the little story behind it is this, is that when uh, when I was the CEO of an InsureTech, mm -hmm. um, the company who presents this podcast, uh, like every, you know, reasonable company, we had, uh, you know, we had marketing systems and a sales system when we train, you know, we designed the system and we trained the sales reps. And, and I felt like, uh, you know, uh, at some point we developed a fairly sophisticated sales system. But what we discovered was that, the people that uh, our reps were calling 
hour after hour, day after day, week after week. They didn't have a terribly good buying process for technology. And so, yes, that's, uh, that is a focus of mine right now is uh, finding ways to help agents buy technology for the modern insurance agency and to do it intelligently. So, right. uh, so you, you raised it. I'm going to ask you to speak to that. What, what, uh, because you're right. Uh, there is a, uh, stampede. It's a, it's a flood of, uh, new technologies, uh, from inside the industry, from outside the industry. Uh, I, I suspect that there isn't a listener to this podcast who doesn't get multiple calls per day, inbound calls, from somebody who wants to sell them some technology and it can be overwhelming unless you got a process with some you know that can filter out what doesn't fit uh and some criteria to help you make decisions so i'll ask you to speak to that uh to an industry that's uh that that i think desperately now wants to learn to make good decisions about technology what advice would you give them yeah look it is um it, it's a great area for if you're the, the a principal of an agency or a brokerage, you know, you need to step back and, and ask yourself some fundamental questions. You know, what am I solving for? You know, what are the most important drivers and priorities for my brokerage or agency over the next five to 10 years? Um, and the reason that's important is technology only works for us, right? You, you got to know what business problems you're trying to solve first. Some, some answers to that might put, look, I need to become more profitable as I grow. You know, I'm seeing the revenue line continue uh -huh. to tick along at four to five points a year, but I'm adding people and expense at four to five points a year as well. So how can I gain productivity value? That might become the leading theme, and that would lead you down a path of focusing on a broader platform that drives automation of task work that, you know, allows you to be able to handle more dollars of, of, of premium and commission without having to staff up as much, especially in tight labor times pre-COVID. We heard a lot of that sort of feedback. Um, you might say, well, look, we're, we've done some good work there. The next frontier is how do we know our customers better? How do we cross-sell to them better? How do we drive retention of our customers to a new level? That might lead you to say, look, I need a champion within my agency who really can help us dive into successful customer success models. Um, I would also advise people, look outside the industry. One of the most valuable things that I've coached a lot of customers from in the past is, what is an experience you as a consumer have that you would call a world-class consumer experience? It might be your relationship with Amazon. It might be your relationship with your preferred you know, hotel chain when you take trips. It might be something else. But pick a, an experience that you have that delights you, that you find to be engaging, helpful, um, and easy to navigate and, and ask your team in the front office to help you imagine their best examples as well. And then use that. Have a mm -hmm. workshop to say, what would that look like if we adopted some of those principles within our own agency for how we want our customers to experience us? Mm -hmm. And then the next step is who out there can help me with this? You know, what products uh, are out there? Yeah. Do I need to hire for the first time a third party who's an expert at this who can help me survey the landscape and help us make some intelligent choices so that we adopt? a native capability mm -hmm. to buy technology more smartly down the road, et cetera. Yeah. So these are some of the things I think agencies should be thinking about. Okay, I'll ask one follow-up question to that. So once somebody goes through this process, uh, and I think your, your key question is like right at the heart of it, what business problem am I attempting to solve? Okay, yep. so let's say it's, it's, it's growth or it's profitability or it's efficiencies. 
and so now we begin to narrow down to categories of technology. And so let's say I've got a category group. I want to go in this direction. And now I've got three or four vendors with slightly or very overlapping offers. How uh, would you suggest a, uh, an agent then filters through and makes decisions about which vendor to have a relationship with? Well, I think that the, the best, um, first you're going to run, you're, you're hopefully going to run um, an evaluation where you get a chance to try before you buy. Right. Um, you know, a lot of software companies, as you know, in the SaaS world can allow you to do extensive demos of their product, even mm-hmm. have potentially a, a, a trial period. Um, and sometimes, you know, those, those are helpful um, as a way to get experience. But I find the most helpful is to talk to their customers. Um, you know, and, and ask them for not just their sort of standard reference set, because, of course, the people are going to put in front of you are the ones who are going to say good things. <laughs> hey, do your own homework and find some, some – this, this is a close-knit community. Yeah. Find, find some people who have also had a bad experience. You know, talk to them about it. What was it? Um, was it that we didn't know how to use the technology well, but it was a good product? Was it that the product didn't do what it said it was going to do? And so I think there's no substitute for building a relationship – um, with the, the, the vendor. At the end of the day, this is also going to come down to trust. Um, these relationships uh, yeah. are long-lived and very important. Try the product uh, and then you know, ask around and, and find out a broad spectrum of experiences. But I think also be an intelligent questioner. Um, and what I mean by that is sometimes if people are honest, their voyage down this path didn't work out because they weren't ready to make it work or didn't understand the leadership down, um, sponsorship, mm. hands-on involvement in this, the change management and, and, and championing of change and culture practices within a, an agency that are required to successfully adopt a new technology, a new set of processes, et cetera. So I would circle this all the way back around to ask the first question, what are you solving for? And then ask the second question, what would I as a leader have to be prepared to do to help my agency successfully gain value from this investment. Uh, okay, so uh, <laughs> that's an interesting, that's a really interesting question because um, I, I guess one of the jokes that would you know, kind of float around um, it, back when I had a sales team was like people would, they would know that they needed a technology. Let's go back, uh, you know, in time. Need a website, check, done, don't have to do anything about it again. Need, <laughs> right. you know, wh- whatever, marketing automation. Check, done, I don't really need to pay attention to it. Um, and typically, uh, one, they're not successful. Two, they're bad customers for the vendor. Um, right. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So um, so, so that, uh, I, that second thing that you said, like, what do I need to do as a leader seems to be incredibly important. Now, I would say, so let, me, let me pursue this one a little bit. Um, that that probably involves um, engaging the people who are actually going to have their hands on the technology. You bet. I, I think most times when you're when you're thinking about embarking on a major change investment um, in a set of capabilities for your agency, um, I always say, look, are you prepared to treat this as if it's as important as your sales numbers every month? Um, mm, you know, yeah. this is something that that you're going to need to build a cross-functional team internally. You're going to have experts from different parts of the business who will be the people using, the people managing those people, um, your finance team who needs to understand how all of the economics and what's the ROI, 
So you'll, you'll, these are not to be undertaken lightly, and that's also probably circling back to your question on why has this industry potentially been slow to adopt. Those are hard things, and they take a material amount of time and attention and effort to get value from. And, and oftentimes, as you and I both know, well, gosh, maybe we just don't have time right now. You know, uh, I, I got to sell, I got to drive right. my number, I got to, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, but I would say the most successful in any industry I've been in, um, you know, examples of value return from an investment are highly correlated with the degree of seriousness that the leadership takes. Um, the degree of follow-through, and also probably knowing this is, is a truism. We're never really done, uh, right? Yeah. We're never really done <laughs> because business changes. Um, you know, as soon as but, you but I bought your product six months ago, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, we, we had an end date, and we were done. When do I, I get to forget about it? <laughs> Something changes around you, yeah. <laughs> and, and now you've got to you have to be nimble and change a process or change the way yeah. you're using the technology, et cetera. Right. So I think I used to, um, in the in the 90s when I was in the tech industry, you could see back then that technology spend in, in, in an average company was still a discretionary item. When times were good, it went up. When times uh -huh. were bad, they cut back. Yeah. Every company today to some degree is a tech company, and tech spend is not discretionary anymore. It's simply how you create and, 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 and manage your business model. So if it's not discretionary, it needs to be in the fiber of how you build your business and run it, and that means you're never done. Uh, it's so an I, important part. Okay, so I, I think that well, here's what part of what I'm hearing, Taylor, is that you're saying, um, oh, technology is not really a technology issue. Technology is a business issue. You bet. Okay. You bet. Great way to say it. All right. Uh, so I, I, I have one last question for you, and I might be asking you to pull out your magic wand on this one. Um <laughs> Well, uh, you know, we I, I see a couple like there there are a lot of ways you can slice and dice this in industry, but certainly one of them is you know could be generational. Okay, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we have a lot of uh, really well established agencies, um, professional agencies that are uh, run, operated, owned by uh, by boomers, and then uh, you know there's um, a lot of other agencies that maybe. Uh, they're also well-established, and maybe the next generation is already taking them over, or um, uh, a remarkable number of kind of smaller, like almost like startups that are run by millennials or Gen Xers, um, and that second group seems to be, well, you know, because they're either digital natives are very close to it or just really comfortable with technology. And sometimes, you know, the older generation, not so much. Now, you know, I'm painting with a paint, uh, with, with painting this with a broad brush. Um, but, uh, you know, so we've got a, like a boomer generation in some cases close to, uh, you know, perpetuation moving on. Um, and yet uh, I think they have this nagging sense that they are falling behind. What would you suggest to that person, to the person who's like, hey, I, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to be an insurance guy. I'm an insurance agent. Right. And now you're asking me to be a technology person, and you know it's it's just not what I what I'm trained for. What would you say? Well, I would say that um, getting back to your you know great way of saying it, you know this really isn't a technology question; it's a business model question. Mm -hmm. And so you know, and, and also recognize because it is true that more and more of your customer set, as well as your employees, were born with an iPhone in their hands and. Or, or very near after birth, and, and they are very much used to a consumer internet experience in the business place. 
Um, and so, right. you know, when, when labor is tight in an industry, and again, pre-COVID, as you know, the insurance industry had a less than a 3% unemployment rate. Um, we often hear from our agents that, you know, retaining good people, finding good people who want to come into the insurance industry is one of the hardest things. Those folks are, are a precious asset. So getting back to it not being a tech thing, it's a business thing. You know, you need to lean into the conversation of how do I give those people the tools and capabilities to produce more revenue at a lower cost, to be elevated above the task work and take much better care of my customers or our retention and cross-selling mm-hmm. improves over time. Um, and, and think about this not as a, oh, gosh, do I have to get into tech? Think about it as I got into this to run a great agency to delight my customers. Um, what are the tools I have available t- for me in order to enable my team to do a better job at that? Now, I do think generationally, though, you might say, well, let's be honest, Taylor, I am getting ready to potentially exit the business and pass my agency Mm -hmm. on or sell it. Mm -hmm. Why should I be the one to make the investment now? Why don't I let the next guy or lady do that? Um, That's a legitimate question, and that all depends on timeline, and that depends on what the exit options are. But, you know, that's sort of a different slant on the question. I think the core question is you're running an insurance agency, you're running a business, and technology fundamentally can help you run a better, more valuable business um, than a lack of technology can. Boom. Nailed it. That's it. Glad I, glad I recorded this. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. you nailed it. Right? Okay. And, and, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, to, if, if somebody's strategic horizon is, you know, a year or 18 months, and at that point, you know, they're going to uh, they're, they're look for uh, perpetuation, then – uh, you know, the, their decisions are going to be influenced by that. But if their strategic horizon is three years or longer, yeah. then it would seem they need they need to be a modern insurance agency if they are going to uh, demand the highest valuation, which is what they want. Our, our data set, which is very large, yeah. absolutely conclusively proves that um, agencies that go from being non-digital to digital agencies see double-digit improvement in their revenue growth, and they see double-digit improvement in their profit margin by investing in tech. And and look, that's you and I both know that's as true as the day is long. It's been proven out in many other industries. Um, and so I would simply say, if you have a time horizon that um, is not tomorrow, and you're and you're looking for ways to create valuation um, heft in your current business model, technology is probably the most accessible way to do that. Um. That was stunning what you just said. So I'm, I'm, we're going to move on. But you, 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 I think you. I'm taking notes here, Taylor. Um, <laughs> when uh, when when an agency goes from non-digital to digital, I, I think you said that they that you see typically you'll see double-digit growth, double-digit growth in what top line and in profitability. Am I right about that? You bet. Okay. And, and, so and the answer the answer you know the why how does that happen? Um, well, the profitability piece means, you know, you can grow your business without having to hire as many people to take care of it because yeah. you're equipping them with the right tools. And the top line growth happens because, let's let's take an example from your past, Michael, when you invest in something like marketing automation, mm-hmm. you simply become much more sophisticated at knowing how and when to interact with customers when buying opportunities arise and developing relationships and monetizing those relationships. Yeah. So. You, you, you simply give yourself you know, glasses and a hearing aid, right? You get, you get to see better, you get to hear better, you get to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's a good segue, I think, to 
the elephant in the room, the COVID crisis and how that's affecting the industry and how you think it may accelerate certain trends. Um, so, yeah, with, I mean, with marketing automation as an example, I happen to see Agency Revolution's um, uh, uh, line chart on the number of emails that went out. And, you know, I mean, it's typically, it's, it's really quite high. And then boom, as soon as the crisis hit, it was like through the roof. I mean, yeah. it, it was the, the unicorn of, uh, of marketing automation just hit right there. Right. Um, and, and I thought this is 10 years ago, I think when we had the vision, this is what we were born for. This is what we made this product for so that, People can have closer, deeper, stronger relationships with their customers. So I, I would think that it's like that in in kind of every category of or many categories of uh, digital transformation that people are saying, I think um, we well, my, my workers are remote. Right. So yeah. <laughs> all of these technologies, it's time for me to sort of take them off of the future wish list of things that I should get around to when I'm not busy to uh, let's run this business seriously and take care of it. So let's talk about COVID here for yeah. a, a moment. Um, I mean, obviously it has, well, the implications are uh, really in every dimension and every domain of human life. Uh, let's, let's focus it a little bit on, uh, you know, I, I, I know that this is a concern for you, um, what, what do you think it's going to do to the industry and what do you think it's going to do to the agency? Oh, you know, I, I wish I had the crystal ball. I'll give you my <laughs> opinions, but I, look, I, I think we went back and we've studied what happened in the independent agent channel and the, in the insurance ecosystem overall in 2008, nine and 10 global financial crisis was uh -huh. Uh -huh. A, a major event. Um, I think this one is different and I think it will be deeper and farther reaching in some ways, but you know, history can be a good tutor for the for the future. And look, if you remember what happened in 2008, 9, and 10, and into 11, um, the insurance industry overall did uh, take a hit, especially in commercial lines. Um, yeah. We saw many SMBs, you know, who who went out of business at that time due to the liquidity crunch and, and mm -hmm. didn't need their boss anymore. Um, you saw so a major decline in, in in DWP and commercial lines. You saw personal lines sort of hold flat, but certainly it, it exited from a growth trajectory. Pre 2008 to a very flat period of time, uh -huh. and the 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 um, the duration of you know decline in commercial lines and lack of growth in personal lines, uh, you know, lasted for several years. And so it actually took the industry, I believe, until maybe 2012 to get back to sort of 2007 levels of growth. Um, and certainly that means that insurance agencies um, were. Uh, you know, earning fewer commissions and revenue. Some of them at the lower mm -hmm. end of the market probably saw their SMB customers go away and, and, and had to close their doors themselves. Right. Um, we keep a close eye on employment in the insurance uh -huh. uh, industry mm -hmm. as, a, as a leading indicator uh, for our business. Um, in 2007, 8, 9, 10, unemployment in the industry went from low single digits to north of 8%. Oh. Uh, over that time frame. And yeah. so, you know, that's a, almost a threefold increase in unemployment among the insurance ecosystem. So now let's flip the page. What can those historical lessons tell us about this time? Well, we know that um, many agencies who are highly exposed to hospitality, travel, construction, um, those industries which are most hard hit in our ecosystem are going to be hard hit themselves. They're yeah. going to experience loss of customers, loss of premium, loss of 
uh, commissions. And, and I think the larger, more diversified agencies will weather this storm. They've got good balance sheets. Um, they've got you know, strong private equity investors. I worry about the small agency through this. Uh, I worry about the exposure to the small end of the market. Um, and, and also, you know, I worry uh, in some ways, does this end up um, fueling the next wave of consolidation in uh, the industry, uh-huh. um, which, which, which in and of itself has been increasing and accelerating over time. Uh, but I think what we're seeing is consolidation will take a pause as people assess risk. But I believe that not too far down the road, this might lead to the next wave of consolidation because valuations will be down, deep-pocketed right. private equity firms and large brokerages who are growing more through inorganic will be able to pick up more assets at a lower valuation. So those are some of the things that we're watching and concerned about. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'll give you an opportunity to, to, to uh, deliver uh, uh, words of advice to somebody who's running an independent insurance agency now. What do you think they should do? Well, the first thing is um, you, you if you can – um, and I think there are economically reasonable ways to do this. Use this time to actually really digitize your model. You mentioned before, and you know, look, we get phone calls from um, customers of ours who literally are reliant on on faxing still. Can't get to the office, can't use a fax machine. Hey, can I get on a more modern internet-based way to um, you know share information and, and e-signatures with my customers? Yeah. Hey, I, I do you know um, agent bill, and I've got checks coming into my office and I can't get to my office and get the checks. Can you help me with e-payment solutions? Um, you know, we hear, look, we've been running your software on premises in our own server closet for a long time. Um, that's not very resilient in a case like this. You need to get into the cloud because yeah. the cloud is much more resilient in times like this. So there are, there are, there are pragmatic and practical ways. Uh, do you have a mobile app that your employees and customers can use? Um, there are practical ways to look at the, the resilience of your business model and use this opportunity to make it more resilient um, and ultimately probably get into a longer run, lower co- total cost of ownership model because if you're not using those things, you're, you're using humans and labor costs and you know, all sorts of other costs that, that can oftentimes be much more efficient in an online business model. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if you're an agent who's struggling financially yeah. now, and, and don't have the wherewithal to use this time to sort of what I call get in the gym and make your business model stronger. Um, look, I think that uh, it's time to stay close to your customers. It's time to communicate frequently. Um, it's time to stay close to your employees, communicate frequently, provide visibility to people who are in high-stress situations. Um, and, and frankly, it's also time to potentially examine where you, know, you may start to specialize as an agency in your more durable customer segments or your more durable uh, product types uh, where, where you've got a competitive edge, where you can um, outlast this situation and where you emerge on the other side with a specialism um, that allows you to earn you know, higher commissions going forward. So no matter what, changes to your business model are going to be needed to be taken during this time. Got it. All right. So, um, Taylor, that gets to my, the last two questions I've got for uh, this part of the conversation. Do you think that this uh, crisis will accelerate trends that were already in place? Like, I mean, for example, uh, an obvious one is uh, the demand for remote work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I tend to think that um, six weeks into this, it's too early to tell you Look, bottom line, in 2008 and 9, we heard a lot about business travel going the way of the dodo. 
um, you know, video conference <laughs> and, and Cisco, yeah. you know, telepresence okay. was going to take the place. But but come, you know, the other side of, of that, you know, people got back on airplanes and traveled even more than they ever have. So I do think it might be hyperbolic to draw long-term, huge, permanent changes to human behavior. But I do believe that what every company that has invested in the past in making their business model on, an online business model is is finding that working from home is easier than we thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, apply right. it itself just as an example. We were able to get into our business continuity plan on March 13th. We got everybody, our, our 2,000 employees, home up and using cloud platforms, up and using remote working tools, and you know, frankly, it was much easier than it would have been in 2008, 9, and 10. And so I think a lot of companies are saying, ah, we can do this. Uh So they will examine the policies going forward. In my mind, does everybody have to be in the office every day? Can we be more flexible on who works from where? When do you really need to travel? Um, I think, you know, there are some industries that pride themselves on, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on the road four days a week. I'm a road warrior. I think you will see certain professions and industries examine what can be done effectively remotely versus where that human interaction, that human mm-hmm. touch really adds value to the process. Right so on. I expect some changes, but I think it's too early to call the ball on. Nobody's ever getting on an airplane again and nobody's ever going to an office again. Got it. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, so then fast forward, you know, to um, that magical time in the future when maybe we're, you know, the crisis isn't the most important thing on our minds. What do you think the agency of the future looks like? What does it feel like? I think it, 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 it looks and feels like, um, uh, let's start, you, you operate on cloud-based platforms, and, and that is things like Salesforce, that's mm-hmm. like Applied Epic, that is uh, Zoom for teleconferencing. So I think you, that is e-payments, that's e-signature. I think you will see a, a, a greater push toward technology adoption and digitization of the agency. Our last survey of the, of the industry um, found that only 43% of the agency world would declare themselves as having digitized. Well, 43% is, is likely going to change to a much higher number faster than it would have without COVID as a nudge, as a push. Yeah, got it. So I do think you'll find that the average agency interacts with its customers in more digital ways and interacts with its carrier partners in more digital ways. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one hallmark of what will change. Got it. And then, and then who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, re- the real question here is, and, and this is you know, pre-COVID as well, what is the future of customer interaction like for your neighborhood insurance agent? Um, does it go toward being more omni-channel versus a need to come into the office or we need to meet for lunch or we need to do this over a handshake? So I do think if we do it right as an agency ecosystem, we meet our customers who more and more are born in the cloud themselves, mm-hmm. and we say to them with confidence, we can serve you when and how you like best to be served, and we're here to be your expert advice givers, to help you buy the right products at the right prices, and to add value in new ways to you now that we're not doing the old things anymore. So I don't think the role of the agent or the broker goes away. I think it changes and it can become more valuable. Very good. Um, all right. So Taylor, you are the uh, you're the CEO of the largest technology company in the industry. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about what's going on with Applied and what you see um, a little bit in the future? Sure. I, you know, it's been a busy 11 months since I got here. I, I had a lot of schooling to do. So studying the industry, talking to a lot of our customers, talking to a lot of insure tech startups. Um, and, you know, one, one thing that's very clear is, um, you know, the, the commercial line space in PNC 
is an enormously important and increasingly important part of the industry. We talked about specialization a bit before. We are seeing more agents and brokers tend to specialize in com- commercial lines because the risk is more complex. The role of the broker is more valuable, and mm-hmm. uh, we are seeing more put focus on where the growth is in the commercial lines. Uh, that led us to acquire India. We brought India, right. a great InsurTech, into the Applied family about six months ago now. And, um, and they were they were a great podcast guest. It wasn't long after that podcast that they that <laughs> I read, we, read we about. I saw the press release. Yeah, we loved them because look, we we have we found that they really studied the problem. They were yeah. understanding the customer pain. They had built a very intuitive, modern, simple workflow. Um, to help this process that happens thousands of times a day in pe- paper and pen and emails and, hey, fill this form out, oh, you missed the data field, here's back again. They, they simply built an elegantly simple way for the commercial application and renewal process to happen um, in a digital way that is much more friendly to the customer that ends up with pristine capture uh, of, of the risk data and, and, you know, and it does it in a way that is um, better for customer retention, lower cost for the broker, and ultimately going to be lower cost for the carrier as well because you can digitally submit all of that versus swapping you know, PDF files. So that was one area that it's a statement of our commitment mm-hmm. to being the company that is going to fix the commercial lines end-to-end process, which is a mess today, painful for everybody, much maligned, uh, and, and, and creates a lot of you know, inefficiency and friction and cost in our industry. So that's a big focus for us is leveraging the Indio acquisition mm-hmm. to connect up the, the carrier, the broker, and the insured world on commercial lines. Very good. We're excited about that. Yeah. I'd say one other call out. Mm-hmm. You know, we also acquired Tech Canary uh, right. a couple of years, you know, a year or so ago. Um, and, and, you know, Tech Canary was another example of a great innovative group of entrepreneurs who came out of the industry brokerage world and said, look, there's got to be a better way. Um, what they did is they made Salesforce work for an insurance agency. Um, you know, many people out there, you've heard, they've, they've, built, they've, they've, they've bought Salesforce, they've paid a lot of money to system integrators to try to make it work, and they still aren't getting it to do what it yeah. needs to do well. Well, what Technary did, the brilliant guys there, is they just simply knew what a brokerage needs from a workflow perspective in the front office, and they made Salesforce work. We have taken Salesforce, uh, pardon me, Technary now, and, and rebranded it as Applied Epic for Salesforce, where we can build that great front-end insurance-specific Salesforce set of workflows for the front office and connect it seamlessly into the back office because, as you and I were talking about previously, I believe the next frontier in helping our agencies run a better business is getting smarter, more automated, and more intelligent in how they face their customers in the front office. So that is a move for applied from the pure agency management system into connecting up the front office as well, and we're excited about that. Very good. Well, um, Taylor, I know that people know how to find Applied if they need it, and um, uh, so <laughs> yeah. That, that, I mean, t- typically, I'll say if somebody wants to reach out to you, how do they do that? But um, yeah, I, I think everybody in the industry knows how to find Applied Systems. Well, uh, they can they can uh, they can get in touch with us anytime through any channel. We're we're happy to have a conversation. Right on. All right. Well, Taylor, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and, uh, you know, I realize you are there less than one year, so, uh, I certainly wish you all the best in your relatively new position. Michael, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was great to speak with you. And meanwhile, be safe and take care of that family of yours. You do the same. We'll see you on the other side of this thing. Right on. 
Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.